0: hello if you've made it this far congratulations this is the fifth episode of the epics podcast my name is alex waite and this is a special episode for me for this episode i interviewed michael milton who is the co-founder of pandemic donuts and was my first in-person interview. michael graciously invited me down to their bakery here in denver for the interview which was so much fun but slightly louder than recording at my desk behind a locked door to keep noisy children out Every once in a while you may hear some background noise from the coffee shop next door, but that is an acceptable price to pay for the joy of hearing Michael's story face to face. Now, Michael started pandemic donuts with his girlfriend Gabrielle Henning after they both lost their jobs due to COVID. Now, one thing I really like about this story is that we all have a COVID story. It has affected us all in different ways and it's important to hear some of those stories that were different from our own and try to better understand how this pandemic really did affect some of us. Michael was so much fun to talk Not only was he open and vulnerable with their story, but he's clearly someone who wants to make the most out of every day and is determined to enjoy life. I found their story and approach to opening this business during a pandemic inspiring and insightful. It was fun for me to pull back the curtains on a local business that my family supports. We actually go get their donuts every week at the farmer's market right by our house. Now Pandemic Donuts delivers their delicious donuts and their gluten-free donuts to your door if your door is close to the Denver area. Their creative flavors change every week. And I'm just going to tell you right now, they are so good. I'm not even going to wait till the end of the episode to tell you to click the links below and go order donuts. I really hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I do. Thanks for listening. Well, thanks for sitting down with me today, Michael. Yeah, thank you for coming.
1: Absolutely. Can you please describe describe yourself and where we are today? Yeah, so we're sitting inside of Pandemic Donuts, our bakery. When I say bakery, I think a lot of people listening will think it's a big, awesome, giant space, but really it's pretty small. (laughs) Um, You know, it's it's our first humble bakery, and we're pretty excited about it. I am Michael. I'm a tall, lanky, white dude, and my hair is very rarely in the right place. So if it is right now, we're winning. But yeah, that's where we are, and that's who I am. And what else would you want people to know about you before we get into your story a little bit? Um... That's a really good question. I think what I'd want people to know is, you know, especially pertaining to pandemic donuts is, you know, a lot of what has happened to me in the last year was luck, but I do work really hard. So it was kind of like getting a good little piece of luck mixed with a whole bunch of work. For sure. And let's go back a little bit then to
0: before pandemic donuts. Yeah. What did you do before COVID hit? Before we even heard that word in our daily lives.
1: So I'm 33 now. COVID was almost 18 months ago, I guess, or so. I grew up in the coffee industry. My family ran a coffee roaster in St. Louis, Missouri. Kind of followed my coffee expertise after college. Worked for Novo Coffee, which is right down the street Mm -hmm. here. Um, I was fixing espresso machines for them. Doing some consulting stuff. After that, I... Tried to get into the co-working scene and I developed a couple of co-working spaces for okay. um, investors. Didn't love it very much. Went through a breakup, also known as a divorce, three mm-hmm. years ago. Kind of took a step back professionally. Got a job in a proper city where I was the manager of their coffee shop and I bartended and that's where I met Gabe. And that's that's what I've done. That's until Pandemic Donuts is working at proper city bartender. Okay. And so then you met Gabriel at the coffee shop. Yeah. So you guys both work. Yeah, at. we both work together. Very good. We hit it off pretty quick, honestly. I oh, would say, you know, within a couple of weeks, we were officially, unofficially dating.
0: Um, I mean, when you know, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Do you remember the moment that you kind of realized that COVID was actually going to be a big deal? Yeah.
1: Well, it was more of a, it was more of like a slow wave because we heard about it. Everyone in Denver is still maskless, still kind of talking about if it's going to happen. We saw that Italy was shutting down, you know. Uh, In my head, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. I didn't think it was that deadly, kind of listening to what they were saying on the news. It's like the flu, blah, 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 blah. And then we had a St. Patrick's Day party at Improper City. And like that day, the news was coming that, you know, it was in the US. They started taking precautions as much as they knew, but we were just like sanitizing tables, to be honest, not like much past that. Right. Uh, and then the restaurant industry shut down the next day. Mm. That's when we knew it was serious. And were you supposed to go to work that day? Or yeah. Was... Yeah, I think we got a text at like 6 a.m. We were supposed to be there at
0: 6.30. And what, what did the text say? It was just, hey, don't come back to work forever? Or,
1: <laughs> uh, I was... Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I mean, they didn't know, right? So I think they told us as soon as they knew. And then, yeah, we didn't get a lot of information about, you know, when we'd have a job again, if we'd have a job again, who was coming back, who wouldn't be coming back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were just kind of left out there hanging. Right. And you had no idea how long it would be.
0: I remember at the beginning, you heard so many different things. It could have been two weeks of quarantine. If everyone does that, then we'll be fine. Or a couple months. To this indefinite period of time, which almost I feel like for you guys in the restaurant industry it would make that harder because you don't know you can't rely on yeah. information like that indefinite is not going to work for
1: you. Yeah, Gabe and I were lucky early on in the first month or so I've been fired before I know about unemployment. This is not like this was something i had gone through before. Right. So like the second we found out we applied for unemployment, like maybe 15 minutes later. So we beat the big right. rush. So we got unemployment maybe a month out. From when we when we applied, but a lot of the people we worked with, you know, waited two or three days, didn't really know what was going on and didn't get unemployment for like three or four months without a job too. Hmm. So just they waited three days. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a huge I mean, the Colorado system wasn't ready for it, obviously. Hmm. why wouldn't they be?
0: Yeah, I remember I was working at a school back in March and I said probably the day before, I don't know if it's even gonna come to Colorado. And then next thing I know, we're flying my sister home from Barcelona before Europe shuts down. Yeah. And I'm hearing about the NBA canceling the rest of the season and all yeah. this crazy stuff. It's scary. Yeah. And, you know, it just kinda hits you like, this is actually a really big deal. Yeah. And I'm sure there's this moment for you guys of like, okay, what's next? Obviously it's great that you got onto unemployment when you did. Yeah. But you're still thinking indefinite unemployment is not a long term option. Yeah. At what point did you start thinking about different paths that you want to take? I
1: mean, Honestly, maybe 24 hours. Oh, great. So, so the first 72 hours kind of went like this. I like went and got a PS4 from a friend of mine that had an extra one. I was like, cool, I'm just going like to get super drunk and play video games. Tried that for like a day and a half. <laughs>
0: <Nice> <laughs> I was
1: it wasn't going to be good. It was not going to be good for me. And then we started messing around with baking like right away. I think everyone was kind of doing this. A yeah. uh, little backstory on Gabe. She's a pastry chef. Okay. So we kind of had that going for us. And maybe the next day we went out and bought some baking supplies. So 24 hours later, it's like, maybe we can like deliver cakes to people's houses or try to get something going on Instagram and figure it out. So we spent a day making cakes and hated it. You know, I was kind of pushing Gabe into this. She thought it was a joke, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I think we can make this work. We can make this work, blah, blah, blah. Next day, I was looking through her Instagram and she used to work at Stowaway Kitchen. uh, And she did donuts on the weekends there. I noticed that and asked her if she would want to make donuts and her eyes kind of lit up. So once we kind of found out that we both enjoyed making donuts and that we could have a ton of fun with it, I made an Instagram called Pandemic Donuts and told her about it the next morning and we had orders that day. Just reached out to a bunch of food bloggers, basically told them what we were doing and gave them free donuts to help us get the name out.
0: Wow. And I love the name Pandemic Donuts. Obviously, it's so yeah. symbolic for you guys and really kind of for all of us and you know, the way it was birthed for you guys. How fast
1: did you come up with that name? Obviously, it's pretty fast. Because you're oh, I can't fast take credit for this. So I cannot take credit for this at all. So um, one of my really close friends, who's a chef in San Diego, his name's Brandon Sloan, and his wife's name is Molly Sloan. They started Pandemic Pizza the mm-hmm. day before I started Pandemic Donuts. Um, and I called him up. I was like, hey, awesome name. Can I use it for donuts? And he's like, hell yeah, use it. So we're both doing the same thing out of our home kitchens. He was delivering pizzas doing donuts that's awesome and where's pandemic pizza at it's in i think it's in he just moved locations but it's in downtown san diego cool yeah they do an awesome job that's awesome yeah. i i didn't know that that's okay yeah. yeah so there's two pandemic companies out there someday maybe we can get in this a bit later but uh someday we want to merge the, the two concepts somewhere either here or there or both you know yeah we're both absolutely that's awesome yeah
0: it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah totally and so then you bring this idea to Gabe, and what's the first thing she says? Obviously, she thought you were joking for a while. When did it become real? For- when, when we, we got the joke?
1: orders. So mm-hmm. early on, we didn't have, like, for those of us who have been kind of following our story, they know that we set up a website pretty early on that you could order donuts from. Mm-hmm. But before that, we were just taking orders through direct message on Instagram, and like writing them in a notebook, trying to keep it straight. And I think one day we got, like, 30. The next day we got 60. This is days after you created the Instagram account. Yeah. I mean, everyone's just sitting at home, you know, so it was good timing. We had brought on a couple of employees that also lost their jobs. So it's just like a good crew of people trying to make the best of a really shitty situation. I think it got real when we saw that there was a demand to make mm-hmm. donuts. Like, we got to figure this out. People want them. Let's, let's try to do this. They're good. They taste good. They look good. And I, I will vouch for how
0: good they taste. For those of you listening... Pandemic Donuts has a stand at the City Park Farmer's Market, which is just a couple blocks from our house. And my wife and kids and I come over every Saturday morning to get donuts from you. And every Saturday morning, I tell Christine, I think that's the best old-fashioned donut I've ever had.
1: Thank every you so single much. time. Thank you. So Gabe and I, our, our favorite donuts are old-fashions. And yeah, we've been working on the recipe, I mean, every day for 18 months. We are always tweaking it, trying new ingredients, and just trying to get it just right.
0: I'm staggered by how fast this all happened for you guys. So you're talking about, you make an Instagram account, and then the next day you're starting to get orders. And then really quickly, you're seeing the huge demand. Yeah. When you first started, when you create the Instagram account, and you first start asking for orders or receiving orders, what was your goal then? Were were you planning on it being a long-term thing? Were you like, this could just hold us out until COVID's over? Or
1: My ego wants to say that I knew it was like an awesome idea and it was going to work, but the truth is we just kind of got lucky. The name is catchy. A Couple of weeks in, you know, we were thinking about trying to make it our long long-term goal, but I don't know. It, it still doesn't really feel real. We'll see what ends up in a couple of years, but <laughs> I don't know, we're gonna send
0: it, try our hardest. You guys are now a few months in. What drove you to the business model that you have starting off with just delivery? And then w- at what
1: point did you move into having a physical space? So we started in March. Um, I would say we got really busy by the end of April, you know, making as many donuts as we possibly could, working every day. And then, like I said, I worked at um, Improper City, the coffee shop there, and we had brought on Queen City as our wholesale coffee account. So they were selling us coffee. got to know those guys, and they kind of offered to sell our donuts as like another spot and to be the pickup locations because when we were making them out of our house, we just had them picking up out of our neighborhood which wasn't the best. So they served as a pickup location. And then the coffee you know, community got hit really hard mm. during the pandemic. They lost all their ability to see people inside. Luckily, they had a, a window that they could serve people through once the restrictions were eased a little bit. But they kind of just offered to give us a bit of their space, put up a big glass wall and kind of partner, you know, for the years to come. So it was because of help from Gabe's parents who set up our or Gabe's dad who set up our website, help from them, kinda of offering us this space. And like once we had that little bit of like support pushing us forward, it gave Gabe and I a lot more confidence to like just really go for it and you know, try to seek funding and start looking for equipment and start training employees and take it more seriously. So it was it was the community that kind of helped us keep this thing going more so than like a, a master plan,
0: yes. What were some of the biggest obstacles that you encountered launching a small business, a new business during COVID? Money.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, money, money, money. So you can't get a loan from a bank unless you have two years of provable income, which is a huge hurdle, obviously, for any small comp- or small business trying to get going, trying to get enough money to buy enough equipment to like take that next step. Uh, and then... Private lenders or non-profit lenders were really stingy as well because it's COVID and everyone's failing. There's restaurants closing everywhere. Why would they lend money to a bakery trying to open during the worst financial crisis, especially in the food industry? Mm -hmm. I mean, since the 1930s, maybe, I don't know. That was the hardest part, was getting money. We got a small loan from a non-profit and then friends and family pitched in.
0: And do you know of any other, obviously you talked about Pandemic Pizza, do you know of other small businesses that started around this time that tried to make something out of their recent unemployment at the same time you did or around the same time during COVID? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, at the City Park Farmer's Market, we're in a line of a bunch of food vendors and I would say 75% of them are people that were in the industry and started during COVID. I think there's just a lot of people... In the service industry that work really hard. And by what I mean, really hard is like really weird hours and, you know, like 10 hour days in a row, working 60 hours a week. And they're not dumb people. For me, the industry is so easy to stay in because there's so much money to be made, but there's nowhere to really go with it. So there's all these really smart people that are in this industry. And I think the pandemic kind of lit a fire under some of our assets a bit and just let us kind of go for our dreams a little bit more than if we were just to still be able to bring in bartender money every day
0: right so not to trivialize the experience for you guys but in a way it
1: could have been considered a great thing yeah Yeah. it's a small piece of light in an otherwise very dark situation but yeah i agree with that yeah that's crazy i mean
0: that's similar to me i wanted to start this podcast a long time ago yeah but was never didn't have the right motivation to and I was worried about starting and failing yeah. or whatever. And then I lost my second job during COVID. And I was like, well, why, yeah. not? why not? Yeah, And we'll see what happens. I'm not as far into it as you guys are, but it was just such a, a visceral reminder for me of hearing you talk about that for you. That's exactly my story as well. And I can't imagine how many countless other people.
1: Yeah. And I don't, I mean, just on starting something that might fail, there's so much anxiety involved with it that it's like important to remember that you can't fail unless you try. You can look back in 10 years when you didn't try and feel terrible about that. But if you really just like put your heart into it and you fail, just you can let it go because you tried your hardest already. And that's, that's made it easier for me. Like coming to that realization that sometimes people that don't try as hard are the ones that are successful. Mm. Sometimes it's the people that don't put as many hours in. Some people are just lucky. I think that's where I'm at. If I, if we can call it successful. But just kind of like surrendering to the fact that even if you do everything right, you might fail like some in some backwards way makes it easier to try.
0: And did you feel like that was a part of your thought process when you started? Because you're in the middle of this pandemic, you have every excuse in the world for it to not work. Did that free you up in a way to to not feel the pressure?
1: Yeah, totally. You know, I, I, I deal with like depression, and anxiety. I think sitting at home all day would have been the worst possible thing. I need to be working. I need to do something. Playing video games. Yeah. Or like digging a ditch. <laughs> I don't care. Like, you know, I don't care what the work is. And I think games the same way. It's like our leisure time is spent like hiking and, and working out and staying active, being outside. And I think work is a time that we can kind of go into another space and spend time and create something that takes us away from, you know, sitting at home and just being anxious Scared, so I think something had to break. Something had to happen, whether it be you know just like falling into a pit of misery or working ten hours a day for whatever Right. I think I prefer working ten hours a day. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I think there's uh, very few things that would be beat out by the pit of misery. Yeah, uh, exactly right. It took long. You know, I don't know. I think that's another lesson that I'm working through now is just staying active.
0: Do you feel that, have you, have you started any other, have you or Dave ever started businesses before?
1: Yeah, I have. So okay. I've always kind of had the hustle spirit, I guess, and yeah. trying to figure out my own thing. In St. Louis, I ran a consulting and repair company for the coffee industry. So I was fixing espresso machines and training staff just for myself. I was young and a bit of a derelict, so I didn't keep very good books, you know, didn't file taxes when I was supposed to, didn't pay myself. It was just, it was successful, but I just didn't really consider it that big of a deal. I didn't try that hard. But after that, I reclaimed wood, so taking wood out of uh, demolition sites and reselling it, I did that for a while, uh, and then moved down here and worked for Nobo. This all sounds
0: like very important foundation for pastry making.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. I don't know. You know, I think selling something you care about is universal. If, mm-hmm. if you can actually care about it, I care about what I'm doing now. And I know our product's good. So I can transfer that belief to someone else very easily. If I was selling something I don't care about, I couldn't be successful. I can't, I'm not that, I don't have that personality to like sell widgets for 10 cents a piece. And have that be my career. Absolutely. That has to be something that I like feel passionate about
0: and get excited about. Totally. I went through a phase in life where everyone told me I was so personable and outgoing. I yeah. should do stuff in sales and I got all these I got a few of these sales jobs, some going door-to-door, some going business yeah. in business and I sucked at all of them because I didn't care.
1: Yeah that's the problem, you gotta transfer your belief if your belief isn't positive it's coming across you don't have a choice, I mean some people do some people can fake it um, but I can't. I feel
0: like that's exactly the same boat I'm in too I can't fake it and when I fake it for any particular period of time I, it just makes me completely resent the entire environment that i'm in
1: yeah for me again over a period of time if i'm doing something that's not genuine to me i just feel like uh like a shitty version of myself you know i mean like what am i selling out for it's not even like like i gonna do this the rest of my life am i making that much money like i want to be myself at home at work i have to be myself otherwise just feel it feels
0: fake wrong and i think talking about this period of time you know, obviously in our country during COVID, mental health became a big thing that we started talking about. And I think that's fantastic because if we didn't have that conversation around it, I don't know how much worse it would have been for so many people. Like we were talking about, I have such a hard time faking it. And that just wears on me so much. And I attribute a lot of that to my ADHD. Yeah. And for you, you briefly spoke about some of your battles with mental health yeah. and some of the things that you deal with on a constant basis. Mm-hmm. Coming into COVID, without a project like this, without a business to start, something to love doing, were you afraid of what that period of might oh, look, look yeah, like for you?
1: Yeah, very afraid. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I was diagnosed ADHD at a young age. So we're, we have that in common. Fantastic. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but it, I got it bad. We're good, <laughs> however you want to look at it. But yeah, no, that was a concern. Like I said, I was like drinking a bunch and playing video games and this isn't something i really conceptualized until maybe right now, but dealing with mental health issues is probably a big reason that we're here now. What do you mean? Just something to do, something mm-hmm. to stay busy with and like throw yourself at. And I'm not sure if that's the most healthy way to deal with mental health issues, but that's where we're here. That's we're here now. So <laughs> what has been helpful for you and you know yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. So
0: you know that you can't just sit there and yeah. you need to do something with your time and with your thoughts process. Right. Yeah. Like, Cause that's the worst when you're just sitting at home and trying to not think, yeah. at least for me with ADHD, I can, I can sit there and think, but it's not going to help me. I want to talk more about how pandemic donuts is doing now. You know, you first started getting, you know, 30 orders a day, which is
1: incredible right away. What are you guys doing now? You know, I guess my part in this business is, is less being creative in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, I should preface everything I'm saying about the bakery by saying that Gabe is the mastermind of Pandemic Donuts. Uh, I can be the spokesperson sometimes, but she's she's brilliant. She's the creative. She runs our staff here. So I'm just kind of here to keep the ship in the right direction. I, I do very little compared to her. But what what I'm thinking and what Gabe is thinking now that we have a bakery open is finding the best way to sell donuts. And what I mean by that is right now we're, we do primarily wholesale, which means that we sell donuts to coffee shops, to restaurants, to other donut shops that then sell our donuts again. And that's a really good model uh, in one way because it's consistent business. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's way cheaper, so we don't make as much money per donut. What I'm struggling with now is trying to find a really happy medium between my wholesale business and creating a retail business, Uh, whether that be from pickups and deliveries, which we still do, or, you know, taking that leap and getting... You know, more money in you know, opening a retail spot so I can sell the donuts directly directly to people. So it's kind of like trying to find that balance, and working with our bookkeepers to figure out how to keep my employees paid first and right. foremost, um, and two to grow. The only thing that Gabe and I truly care about with this is taking care of our employees. You know, we've promised them from day one that we're not going to hire anyone above them. And two, that we're going to give them a living wage. Uh, Right now, we're struggling to do that. My employees get to see our books. They see our profit. And they both are making small percentages of the profit on top of that. But they're going to grow with us. And we're going to be extremely loyal to them and do the best we can to take care of them. And how many employees do you have right now? Two full times and then a couple part- time people, so we have two people, so on a busy day, Gabe and myself and two others will be in here baking and then you've met Danielle at the farmers' markets mm-hmm. uh, she's part time now, uh, she bartends at a couple places too.
0: I love the the premise of that, the spirit behind what you guys are doing obviously. Going back to the, just the name, Pandemic Donuts, there's so much meaning behind that for everyone who's existed over the past year. Yeah, We all have some sort of hard connection to COVID and what's happened during this pandemic. And I love your guys' commitment to your employees and wanting to create a space for them to feel like and trust their employer yeah. and be taken
1: care of, because this was really birthed out of you guys losing your jobs. Yeah, exactly. And just, like, trying to create a lifestyle for everyone that's just nicer. You know what I mean? Right. Just like going somewhere where you know if you, you work hard and, and you know, sell more donuts, it's going to be a direct influence on your bank account. Mm-hmm. We're not hiding anything from them. I don't know if there's anyone listening that knows about open book management. Hit me up because I'm still trying to figure it out.
0: Well, I will pass anybody along that you <laughs> contact with me.
1: I'm not going to offer any of
0: my help <laughs> As we get into this period of COVID now, where we've been here for a year, we started taking our masks off when we go to the stores, a lot of us are vaccinated. Uh Have you noticed from the business standpoint, the change in the pandemic, I guess? Because I I guess to to explain my question a bit better, I feel like we're always looking for ways to define the pandemic and to forecast the end of the pandemic. As the business owner who's who's been a part of growing your business during the pandemic. What positive signs have you guys seen or felt recently that gives you hope for the, for the pandemic?
1: All right, you know, early on, something I kind of like there as found talked about was, you know, we are in a really good position in the restaurant industry to succeed during the pandemic because we didn't have a location. I didn't have a mountain of debt that continued to need to be pay off, paid off. Mm. So again, luck right. uh, that we hadn't started a year earlier. Or something like that, because we we would have been sunk for sure. But I think it's really important for our industry, whether it be coffee, donuts, bartending. In the last few months, just having our ear to the ground, you know, both in aspects to how the pandemic's doing and how people are reintegrating into normal life. Like in my heart, I just want to go open three donut shops, but I know it wouldn't work because that's just not it's not the right time to do it. So I think moving slowly is something that I need to keep in mind. Um, and being happy with uh, what I have. Does Gabriel help slow you down? Yeah. Yeah, I have so many ideas. I, I tried to open an Italian restaurant like, <laughs> last month. We went and visited a bunch of spots around the country, doing some research. She talked me out of it, which is, yeah. in hindsight, a really good idea. Focus on donuts again. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. sometimes I move super quick, and our partnership, you know, both romantically and on the business side of things, have helped me out a lot. And I think that helped her out a lot, too. We couldn't have done it without
0: each other. And obviously, you guys are pandemic donuts. You're not pandemic pastries or pandemic bakery. or Yeah. And more all-inclusive. You, you guys have a really specific thing that you guys do amazingly. Yeah.
1: Branching out. Especially, I don't know if we'll sell it as much, but we're going to do more pastries for Queen City just so they have more stuff.
0: Cool. What kind of pastries are you going to start?
1: Uh, common coffee shop stuff. We're going to do like muffins and croissants, some more savory stuff so you don't have to get just sweet stuff. Yeah. Whatever Gabe wants to do. She'll come in here and create a whole menu in a couple of days. That was the right answer. I'll edit yeah. that out. Yeah. So it sounds like you said that right away. <laughs> yeah, perfect. But in
0: my experience, that's the right answer. Yeah. Whatever she wants to do. Whatever she
1: wants to do in here is what she gets to do. Uh, she works best when she's happy and she's happiest when she has freedom. So as long as that we keep that in mind, then we we'll are fine. And you had
0: mentioned how you're, you have the entrepreneurial spirit and you've tried to start different things before. How is the experience different now, having done that before on your own and then now with her? What's obviously like you're a lot older and you've uh, learned from your experiences but what is
1: different about doing this with someone it's kind of like if you were to walk through the woods at night by yourself or walk through the woods at night with a close friend a lover i guess like you're gonna feel 100 times safer if you're with someone else um, mm. and you can lean on them and knowing that if you succeed you're succeeding with someone which makes success less scary, which is kind of a weird thing to talk about. But on the same side, if you fail, you're failing with someone else and we'll still be there for each other if we do fail or if we do succeed.
0: What is the journey of growing a business done for you guys as a couple? What's it doing for your relationship? Oh boy, that question
1: has a lot to unpack. So (laughs) her and I moved in together maybe like three weeks before lockdown. Uh, You know, we were moving fast. We've been dating for maybe eight months or so. Early on, it's tough. It's been tough in a lot of ways because it's been really stressful to try to do that and to have, you know, your professional stress mixed with lockdown stress mixed with financial stress and not being able to separate them uh, has been a learning process for sure. Her and I are doing great, but, you know, not without a little bit of counseling and some, some help from other people and some like pretty serious conversations about how we separate these things out and how we don't kill each other. Has that been hard to
0: separate the business from the personal? Because you guys obviously live together now. You're running a business together. It can be so easily spill over, right?
1: Yeah, for me especially. I can't turn off pandemic donuts in my head. It's always there. I'm always thinking about it. But we don't work nine to five. But nine to five, we can talk about donuts. After five, we don't talk about donuts. I'm still thinking about donuts. You just can't talk about it. Just can't talk about it. And it really helps. It does. I'm getting better at it. I don't know. Opening a business with a spouse, you know, there's. A lot of failure stories. and We don't plan to be that. So we're just trying to be as proactive as possible and uh, remember what really matters. It's not our business.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that you guys are doing that together. And you're letting yourselves experience the journey. Yeah. So speaking to some of us who weren't as hit hard by the pandemic as you guys were, people who didn't lose their jobs, people who didn't feel the impact of this past year financially, or maybe even in such a hard mental health way, what kind of takeaway
1: do you want them to have after hearing your story? I' don't, in, my, in my perspective, I think most people have been hit pretty equally, regardless if they lost their job or not, just because of how terrible everything has been. right You know, politically, the amount of people that died, I think we're all in that together, 100 percent, regardless if we lost our jobs or not. I think the best thing I could tell people that had an easier time is. That's awesome for them. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. But yeah, I don't know. People are resilient. And again, past couple of years have been a giant tragedy. But when we're faced with adversity, like small good things still happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like the people that got hit the hardest, there's still parts of their life that might be better now just because they tried.
0: Yeah. Try to pick up on those things that we did to survive and yeah. use those to improve us. Yeah, and communities coming together. And
1: I mean, the City Park Farmer's Market wouldn't happen without COVID. There's so many people there that started little business and little hustles, ice cream. The people next to us, the Easy Vegan, they're so awesome. They're, they're all service industry that got fired. I don't know, a bunch of people selling sauces and stuff they've probably been thinking about for years, but just needed like a little push, yeah. a little extra time. I'm not sure that answered your question, but I talked. Absolutely,
0: <laughs> that's all I need. Just fill my time. <laughs> to, to people who might have had a similar experience to yours, they were laid off, and maybe they tried to start a business. Maybe it didn't go so well. Maybe they've just been collecting unemployment or bouncing around. Yeah. What would you want to say to them after what you've
1: gone through? Keep trying. Like I said earlier, you know, I think a, a large part of our success was luck and a good name, and then we backed that up with working really hard. So I don't know. I've tried so many things and failed so many times. It, Wouldn't be surprised if I failed again, but I don't plan to. (laughs) Let's hope not? (laughs) Yeah, seriously.
0: Well, thank you so much for spending the time to talk with me today. I would really regret if I sat here and didn't ask you, of all
1: the donuts you guys have made, what is your favorite? My favorite donut? So I have two answers. My favorite donut of all time is the Cinnamon Sugar Old Fashioned. Okay. Uh, But that's not very pandemic style. So my favorite, like fun flavor that we've ever done is probably raspberry cheesecake so it's a mm. raspberry cheesecake icing with raspberry lines so good oh that sounds so good yeah it's really so glad you guys
0: aren't surrounding me with donuts right now i can't believe
1: i don't have donuts
0: Screw it's really great for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll wait don't worry i'll be back i did want to let you guys know i had no idea who you guys were for a long time and my wife christine is the one who's super invested in finding the local businesses and yeah. supporting yeah, small businesses awesome. and that's why i told her i was like all right if i'm going to ask them if they, they want to come on the podcast you have to be standing right now because you recognize her <laughs> yeah, totally, exactly yeah. who she was <laughs> and that's just the story of my life is i'm married to the most amazing person in the world and i yeah. get to ride, ride that wave and yeah. i'm going to take advantage of that as appropriately as possible yeah but she had told me about you guys a few weeks before this story and it's like oh yeah these it's just this couple started a donut and they're going to." They deliver, and apparently they're really cool. Yeah. And I was like, all right, yeah, we'll have to order sometime. Never did. And I ended up getting laid off from my second job on like a Monday. I think two days later, she surprised me by having ordered from you guys. Oh, really? And had let me sleep in that day. Usually I'm the one who wakes up in yeah. the morning. With the kids. With the kids. Because yeah. she, she, she needs more sleep than I do because yeah. she's smarter. And I, I wake up with the kid. I didn't know this. She woke up with him. I was like, oh, well, this is a nice surprise. Yeah. But she did that because you guys were delivering in the morning and she woke me up with your donuts. So that is forever my association with you guys, with pandemic donuts, is associating myself with losing my job during COVID, but having some damn good donuts that morning.
1: I felt so happy. That's the story of my life right now, I think. (laughs) That's awesome. At least you have donuts. Stories like that, like, there's a lot of days where we're just stressing out and, like, we'll see a kid. Sitting out here eating a donut and loving it or like being at the farmers market. My only place I actually get to talk to customers. Mm. It's like shit, we're kinda doing something cool. This is fun. I I love seeing all these people and that's like when it's worth it. Hearing stuff like that makes it
0: It's super cool. And anyone listening, don't judge us. Each of our children has a full donut every Saturday morning. (laughs) Plus donut holes. Yeah. And they might revolt. I'm pretty sure it's healthy. That's what we feel about it. Science says says that. They would definitely uh, stage a coup against us if we did not come see the pandemic tent. Good, good. I'm really nervous about what, what's going to happen when the farmer's market ends and we have to drive more than two blocks. To get <laughs> get, get them delivered.
1: I will have to get them delivered. Free delivery? Yeah, same cost as if you were to buy them here.
0: Oh, now I'm really in trouble.
1: Yeah. That's fantastic. I sent more.
0: Well... Thank you so much again for spending your time with me. I love your guys' story. As someone who's trying to start something during a pandemic or at the end of a pandemic, I find it very inspiring and I hope it is to other people as well. Yeah, I get it, dude. Thank you so much. I wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this fifth episode of the Epics Podcast. If you have missed the first four, feel free to go back and listen to those and let me know what you think. If you leave me a rating, a review or share this on your social media. It helps more people find us and helps us get those stories out there that we want everyone to hear and learn from. So thank you for being a part of making a difference with me. I really appreciate it. If you want to hear more about my pen story, feel free to jump over to my website where you can get my Patreon content for this episode completely free. Just click the link at the top for more bonus episodes. On my Patreon, I do a reaction podcast every week as a bonus for all of my supporters where I talk about how the interview was for me, what I was thinking about at that time, and just general react. So if you're interested in some of that, or if you just want to help support this podcast or just want to be a part of the Epics Podcast community, head over to my website, epicspodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Thanks for listening.